You're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. In 1993, on the cover of Consumer Reports, heart disease was listed as a number one killer in women. In 2003, Time Magazine announced one of three women die of heart disease, more than from cancer. That number has decreased to one in four, but the fact remains it continues to be the leading killer of women today. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Shira Johnson, and with me today is Dr. Maureen Lowry, Professor of Clinical Medicine at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. She's also the Medical Director of the Cardiovascular Outpatient Center and the Non-Invasive Diagnostic Labs at the University of Miami Hospital and the Medical Director of the Women's Heart Center. Welcome, Dr. Lowry. We're glad to have you. Hi, Shira. Thank you for having me. Dr. Lowry, what are the biggest challenges, as you see it, for primary care physicians who have female patients? Well, I think that one of the primary challenges primary health care patients have is targeting their history from their women and getting accurate answers. Today, primary care doctors are so busy and they have to see so many patients in one hour that they really don't have time to, to dive into deep history. So they take these short, abbreviated answers that women most freely give and accept them as complete answers. By doing so, I think that they're not hearing the whole story from the women. Women tend to deny or underestimate the significance of their symptoms, and therefore I think disease is going unrecognized and possibly underdiagnosed. Can you give some examples of that? Well, women tend to deny risk factors or or perhaps underestimate their use. For example, the women in the audience, if a doctor asks you, how much do you smoke, do you just say no? Or how much do you exercise? Yes. And ask yourself honestly, do you occasionally have that cigarette? Do you really exercise 30 minutes every day? Do you really watch what you eat or say, I'm going to do it tomorrow or next week or as soon as this stressor is over? So women tend to underestimate their honesty with the physicians, and the physicians, because of lack of time, really don't go after that. You know, historically, women have the role of being a caregiver, and in this century, they're also the provider. So there's some issues around compliance compared to the 1950s. How do you see that, and how does that affect the delivery of health care by primary care providers to women? Oh, markedly so. Uh, Women tend to not keep their appointments. They're certainly not compliant with any rehab or wellness programs. They tend to have give up all any spare time they may have scheduled into their day for themselves to fulfill the needs of their family or a sick child or a late coworker. They tend to give more to others other than themselves. So are they less likely to keep appointments and follow through? Yes, they are. Or they're on a time or they come with conditions. I have to be out of here in 15 minutes. So it kind of limits the physician also, especially if the woman is, is fearful of that physician. She wants to gain control and actually intimidates the physician. Unfortunately, some physicians allow this to happen. If you're the caregiver and you become ill and you're the woman in the family and the provider, what's the financial impact on your family and society, and does this further influence your ability to take care of yourself? Oh, absolutely. The key financial provider and you're ill, it can be devastating. Probably the the most potent example is, is a young woman, a single mother, who becomes pregnant again and has serious heart disease. And and I need to put that patient to bed rest or limit her activity. And only then can I improve the survival of the mother and the unborn child. And she looks at me and says, I'm sorry, I have to work. How can you deal with that? How can you tell that mother she can't pay her electric bill because I'm putting her to bed? And as you know, disability and, and other 
economic support is, is very difficult in this country right now. So it does impact their health care, impacts their survival, and possibly those of others. And in the case of a pregnant woman, the baby. So that's incredibly difficult for the primary care practitioner or the cardiologist taking care of this patient. How can they address this in their practice? Because it sounds like her back's against the wall either way. Well, it depends on where the uh, primary care physician is practicing, obviously. But rural communities versus urban communities versus Hispanic versus African American, I think all of these present different problems and all of them need different creative answers. Can you give us any examples of some instances where you found a novel approach to this that maybe someone else could learn from? I needed to reach the African-American female population. I was interested in their health care, what they were receiving, how they perceived themselves compared to, to their black males. And we needed to get to them, and we needed just to interview these. We had to go to the ministers of their churches, and get permission to go talk to them. And only if that minister, who was usually a male, agreed would he let us talk to the women of his church. And interesting, most of the time he said no. Really? It was very interesting. So we have to explore that. Another unique example here in Miami is the Hispanic women, especially if you're looking at them to enter any sort of research trial. In that case, it's not a church. It's their extended family. They need the the permission of everyone in their family, their children, their parents if alive, the children's children, their sisters and their family, and so on and so on. Everyone must agree to let that Hispanic woman either participate or that woman will not participate in any study or trial. So it's very interesting. If you just joined us, you're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and we are speaking today with Dr. Maureen Lowry about women, their health, and the challenges within the medical community in addressing women's health care issues today. Dr. Lowry, if you're the primary care provider and you're trying to meet the needs of this population, what procedures can you assist with that's more than the GYN doctor who does the pap smear in the office to try to reach out to this group and get them better care? I think taking a few more minutes to do a complete physical will give you a lot of information. And I firmly believe that one of the best non-invasive tests a physician has is their eyes, their hands, and their ears. That is important. And I think the primary care physician, due to time and, and volume constraints, is limiting that. I also think that care can be enhanced by the primary care physician actually doing the female exam that historically has been referred to the gynecologist, such as a pelvic exam. Residencies today are now incorporating a good GYN exam into their internal medicine residency programs, so the internist may add this to his office visit. Also, easily available in any office is a resting electrocardiogram, or EKG as it's called. There are problems with the women's EKGs. Women have more abnormalities on their resting EKGs, so it's harder to give them a squeaking clean bill of health for their heart based on just their EKG alone. But these are some of the readily available tools. You shared with me that you had a vision of practices, primary care practices, who could set up a woman's division within them to address some of the concerns that you've brought up. How could this play out, and where would the cost savings analysis be an advantage for the practice? A woman is going to have to ask herself a very important question, and I'm going to coin L'Oreal's commercial. I'm worth it. A woman can do this by taking one day of work off, and I'm going to stress a day of work because the weekends are overwhelmed by family 
duties and going to the store and all sort of odds and end errands. By a woman taking one day and having a institute of health for women that would incorporate all aspects of that body in one place, a woman could walk in the door and have a primary care physician do the complete history and physical and first-line echo, and from there, order the appropriate test, whether that's a bone scan and a pap smear or a mammogram or a stress test or an echocardiogram or an electrocardiogram or whatever is needed based upon the initial screening of that woman. By the end of the day, that woman could have been seen, adequately evaluated and appropriately, and then see the appropriate consultants for further care and evaluation if indicated. I think that if we don't create centers where a woman can take time and in one place and at one time approach her whole body, it's just not going to happen. Women cannot piecemeal their time effectively to come to many doctor's appointments and many outpatient uh, procedures or tests. With heart disease as the number one killer for women, why is this diagnosis being missed by primary care providers? I think part of it is the atypical presentation. Part of it is the woman's denial of having it and being told for years by many people, family members and physicians, that her symptoms do not equal heart disease that will kill her. Perhaps it's stress. Perhaps it's the kids. Perhaps it's work. But it's not your heart. Could you just give us a few more symptoms that women may present with that could tip off the primary care provider that it might be related to their heart, since I know they don't classically come in complaining of substernal chest pain radiating down my left arm. What have you seen in your practice? Well, I wish women would present like that, but interestingly, they can, but usually don't. The most worrisome symptom that, that we've seen misdiagnosed in women is fatigue. Now, imagine a busy emergency room on a Saturday night where there may be gunshot wounds or, or bleeding and trauma and all these things going on. And this little old lady walks in there and says, you know, Doc, I'm really tired. I'm more tired than usual. Can you imagine that doctor's reaction to that woman's complaint? Yet sending that woman home without something as simple as electrocardiogram can lead to death and has. In fact, women have gone home and died from massive heart attacks after being discharged from emergency rooms going in there with complaints of fatigue and tiredness. So you're saying that the fact that the woman shows up at an emergency room or primary care office alone with a significant complaint may mean that there's a lot more behind that complaint than what she's verbalizing. Absolutely, and that is so important for the primary care physician to realize. Think back to our mothers. I myself am in my mid-50s, so my mother if she was alive, would be in her 80s. In her days, you did not go to the doctor unless you were sick. And usually that entailed some sort of childbirth or childbirth complication. To get my mother, who ultimately died of breast cancer, to go for a routine mammogram that could have saved her life was unheard of because she was not sick. Preventive care was foreign to her. So now couple that with that same patient. If my mother was alive in her 80s, presenting to the emergency room with fatigue, my mother would never be there with fatigue unless something was going on. So because that woman said fatigue, there's something else. That doctor needs to ask that patient, why today or why this evening or why tonight did you come? Why didn't you come yesterday? Why didn't you come last week? You're 80 years old. You have the right to be tired. Why now? Follow that question up, the answer of the patient with another question, and you will find volumes more. 
to help you diagnose that woman. One more question. Is there any way to reach more primary care providers, whether they are men or women, and help them address some of these issues? How to reach them? I think shows like yours is very good. I think that if primary care physicians had access to more 800 numbers or more local resources that they could call, or to have better follow-up methods in their office, we, we know physicians are busy, and that physician may be very worried about that, that elderly woman. But it's 4 o'clock or it's 5 o'clock, and he still has to make hospital rounds, and his staff has to go home to their families. Bring that patient back sooner, if at all possible. Exploit any resources you have at hand. Use them. And sometimes looking into your local community bank, there are more there than you're aware of. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Lowry. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Maureen Lowry, as we discuss women's health issues and challenges today. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>